Welcome to the AAP Board Review Podcast, which is a podcast reviewing high-yield, board-relevant topics in the field of physiatry. I'm Dr. Harmon Graywall, a PMNR resident at UCLA Greater Los Angeles VA. And I'm Dr. Kevin Nazare, a PMNR resident at UC Davis. We want this podcast to be a high-yield, audible study aid. In today's episode, our focus will be a continuation of the cancer rehabilitation topic. Disclaimer, the AAP Board Review series is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be used to diagnose, prevent, or treat any diseases or conditions. The views expressed are solely those of the hosts and do not represent the official views or policy of any entity. Okay, Harmon, we're going to get into our first patient case. You're in a cancer rehabilitation clinic, and a 56-year-old female with a history of breast cancer presents to establish care. She was diagnosed with breast cancer two years ago, underwent auxiliary node dissection and subsequent radiation therapy. She's developed gradual onset swelling in her right arm and hand one year post-operatively and was diagnosed with lymphedema. She presents with compression sleeves that she was instructed to wear daily. She states the swelling appears to be at her baseline. Her right arm and hand are visibly larger than the left. Edematous but soft without pitting, Skin is warm, dry, and intact. There is some thickening of the skin noted distal to the anticubital fossa. So my first question to you, Harmon, is how would you sort of classify the severity of her lymphedema? Great question. So it appears that this patient developed upper extremity lymphedema one year after undergoing axillary node dissection in the setting of breast cancer. Now these are the most common causes of upper extremity lymphedema. And the International Society of Lymphology recommends a three-stage scale for classification. Stage zero refers to a latent or subclinical condition. There is an early accumulation of fluid, and it would resolve with limb elevation. In stage two, the limb elevation doesn't reduce the swelling, and pitting and fibrosis can also be present. Stage three describes lymphostatic elephantiasis. Pitting and skin changes like acanthosis, thickening, and fibrosis might be seen. For this patient, I would classify her as stage two. Yeah, great explanations. Going off of that, are there any treatments in addition to her compression sleeves that would be beneficial in this case? Absolutely. The standard of care for lymphedema is complete decongestive therapy, aka CDT. This is a two-phase treatment where phase one actively reduces the swelling and phase two is ongoing maintenance. Phase one consists of manual lymphatic drainage, elevation, exercises to reduce swelling, skin and nail care, as well as compression. Phase two is the daily use of compression with a garment or bandaging. Awesome. So the overall goals of treatment would then be to, you know, prevent further limb enlargement, of course, protect it from infection, and allow for patient independence and quality of life. We'll move on to case number two. So you're still in the cancer rehabilitation clinic and you have another patient on the schedule. This time it's a 75-year-old male with known newly diagnosed metastatic small cell carcinoma, not on chemotherapy or receiving radiation, who presents with ongoing symptoms of weakness in his lower extremities. He reports difficulty sitting up from a chair and walking. On physical exam, The patient has muscle strength of 3 out of 5 in hip flexion and extension, and 4 out of 5 strength in knee flexion and extension, as well as ankle plantar flexion and dorsiflexion. 
So what condition could explain the patient's symptoms? Well, it appears that this patient has carcinomatous myopathy, a perineoplastic myopathy due to his lung malignancy. This syndrome presents with proximal muscle weakness, like seen in this patient's hip flexion and extension testing, and the symptoms occur due to muscle necrosis. His symptoms also resemble steroid myopathy, but it doesn't look like he's on any corticosteroids. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. So let's say this patient also presented with numbness that started in his feet and gradually spread upwards to his hip. In their physical exam, he has diminished sensation to light touch over L2 to L5 dermatomes, diminished reflexes at patella and Achilles, as well as diminished strength. Would his diagnosis change? Tricky question, but yes. Now his symptoms in physical exam appear to be carcinomatous neuropathy. And this involves the peripheral nerves and muscles, which would explain his symptoms of having the proximal muscle weakness in addition to sensory loss and decreased reflexes. Yeah, awesome catch. So what sort of rehabilitative measures would you recommend for myopathies versus neuropathies? For myopathies, the rehabilitative focus would be on isometric exercise, and this would improve the muscle strength and metabolism. For neuropathies, the rehab approach would be more supportive and the patient could be offered adaptive equipment and orthosis. Absolutely. Functional mobility can also be beneficial for neuropathies. Now, if this patient was undergoing treatment with chemotherapy, he may have chemotherapy-related myopathy. That's a great point. While we're on this topic of chemotherapy, what other impairments can be seen in patients undergoing this treatment? So this is going to be a throwback to medical school, and it is such an important point when treating cancer patients. Most patients are usually treated with multiple chemotherapeutic agents, and each agent has its own side effect profile. Peripheral neuropathy is a common toxicity that leads to functional impairments, and it's most often seen with patients taking vinca alkaloids, cisplatin, the taxanes, and thalidomide. Other chemotherapeutic toxicities that can cause functional impairments are cognitive dysfunction, cardiomyopathy, and pulmonary fibrosis. Great overview of the important side effects. The list of adverse events from chemotherapy is long, but those are the ones to keep in mind when it comes to functional impairments. Now, half of all cancer patients do undergo radiation therapy. This comes with its own potential injuries. Could you describe the differences between acute and late radiation injuries? Sure. Acute radiation injury occurs due to cell death and local inflammation, and patients often experience symptoms of fatigue but return to their baseline within a few months after receiving the treatment. Late radiation injury, on the other hand, can present with myelopathies, plexopathies, encephalopathy, and fibrosis, and this occurs due to tissue necrosis and fibrosis. These late radiation effects are the ones to really keep in mind because they most often lead to impairments. Yeah, and when thinking about what treatments can be offered to patients experiencing these late radiation injuries, fibrosis should be treated with ongoing range of motion for affected muscles and fascia. Otherwise, these patients can progress to contractures. Medical treatments that can be offered include short-term steroids in this case. So, great job, Harmon. Thank you. And we're just going to end here with a pop quiz. Surprise. <laughs> uh, starting off, carcinomatous myopathy versus neuropathy. How can you distinguish between these two? 
Myopathy presents with muscle weakness, while neuropathy affects both the peripheral muscles and nerves, leading to muscle weakness, sensory loss, and decreased reflexes. For active reduction, manual lymphatic drainage, compression, exercise, and skin and nail care are the components. For maintenance, daily compression. What are the common chemotherapeutic toxicities that lead to functional impairments? Peripheral neuropathy, cognitive dysfunction, cardiomyopathy, and pulmonary fibrosis. Great job. Now we'll wrap up with some takeaways of today's board review. Number one, the gold standard of treatment for lymphedema is complete decongestive therapy. Number two, carcinomatous myopathy and neuropathy are perineoplastic syndromes. Carcinomatous myopathy presents with proximal muscle weakness, while carcinomatous neuropathy also presents with decreased reflexes and sensation. Number three, chemotherapeutic agents can cause toxicities that lead to functional impairments. And finally, number four, fibrosis can occur as late radiation injury and must be treated with ongoing range of motion. Awesome summary, Kevin. That wraps it up for our part three of Cancer Rehabilitation Board Review. Thank you for joining us on the AAP Board Review Series. 